The reading today is from Acts 2. When the day of the Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire and separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were saying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then, how is that each of us hear them in our own native language? Judea, Pontus and Aegean, Egypt and parts of Libya, and many more towns. Both Jews and converts to Judaism. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues, amazed of and sorry, amazed and perplexed. They ask one another, "What does this mean?" Some who have made fun of them and said they had too much wine. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, this reading is from Ephesians 5, uh, ch- chapter 5, verses 8 to 21. In the Church Bibles, it's on page uh, 1176. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you the gift of your spirit in our lives. I pray this morning that you would come afresh upon each one of us with new power, new life, new hope. That is a sign of your life in us, we pray. Because without you, we are nothing. Amen. Pentecost is a celebration of life. It's a celebration of the life, the work, and the person of the Holy Spirit. 
think one of the things you may need to know is before this time in the church's life, the followers of Jesus were confused, they were frightened, they were consumed with fear, they were disabled, they were disordered in the world. After this celebration of of Pentecost, after this event, these same people who are in that place of confusion, disorder, fear, and anxiety, they suddenly became full of faith, full of joy, full of hope, and a longing to share the good news that they'd experienced through their experience of God, through the experience of the Holy Spirit. The experience of the Holy Spirit transformed their lives. And I'd suggest to you this morning that transformation is something all of us need and all of us seek, even if you don't want to acknowledge it this morning privately. When we look closely at our lives, we long to see change, change that leads us into a good place and a better place in our lives. But when I mention the Holy Spirit, I wonder what comes into your mind. I wonder what's the things that come into your mind when I talk of the Holy Spirit. As I say the Holy Spirit, those of you who may have been around church a bit for a period of time may remember the old authorised version of the Bible, which used to describe the Holy Spirit as the Holy Ghost. And you sort of have in mind with the Holy Spirit this kind of, ooh, it's all a bit scary and it's a spirit thing and it's all a bit bad and it's something to be feared. But the Holy Spirit is a complete opposite of that. Complete opposite of something or someone to be feared. It's God. And he's good. He's supernaturally good. And he came to his people then and he continues to come to us today, his church. Um, little challenge for a number of you, and I, d- I don't want you to take this if you're not going to read it or you just want something for free. But um, if you read any of the literature around the church, one of the things that they would say is, is that actually most people in church struggle with understanding the Holy Spirit. That we live effectively like people who believe in Jesus and believe maybe in God the Father, but we don't really get to grips at all with the Holy Spirit. If that's you and you are a reader, I've bought 10 copies of this book called Forgotten God. It's very accessible. I heard this guy speak a few years ago. It's very readable. And if you struggle, you honestly struggle to sit there and think, do you know, I'm just uncomfortable with the whole Holy Spirit. It's a really good read, very easy to read. And there are 10 copies, but please only take one if you're going to read it and it would benefit you. Great. But if you know anything, if you've been in in church for a while, you may know that some of the imagery that's used of the Holy Spirit may help you a little bit to understand who the Holy Spirit is and what he's about. So fire, water that we've looked at in baptism, wind, we see that reading from Acts, a kind of violent wind of oil. You may have grasped something through that. But you might also think that, well, it's a bit weird, that reading from Acts, isn't it? Like winds of fire, tongues a fire on people's head, a violent wind. How do I understand that? How do I get my head around some of the powerful imagery that's used of the Spirit? But what's at stake, I'd like to suggest to you, one of the things at stake in the season of Pentecost is this. It's actually yours and my life about how our lives are going, 
what's the direction of our life, what's the trajectory of our life, and how we're getting on with it. I mean, many people during the week in my job um, who are struggling generally with the challenges they're facing in their lives. We looked at that partly through the life of Nehemiah in the last few, few months too. But Pentecost, of all days in the church year, is that we can celebrate a day that we understand that God's heart for us is to give us power to live. If you understand nothing else about today, it's that God's heart for us is good and the gift of the Spirit is for us to live for Him. It's an extraordinary, life-giving, transforming person that gives us energy and life to live for Him in multiple ways. In our reading from Ephesians, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus to live as children of light. You know, most of us, when we're asked honestly, we say, I'd love to live like that. I'd love to shine brightly in the world. But to be honest, I don't feel like that. I feel like barely am I getting by. The imagery in Matthew 5 is that as Christians, we're called to be a city on a hill that shines for all to see, for everybody to see. And it's very easy for us to continue to live in what one writer calls the shallows of Christianity, where we've forgotten the depths of God's transforming power and his transforming love that Pentecost, above all other celebration celebrates so my question very simply to this is today do you know that love do you know that power because that's what pentecost celebrates today both readings talk uh, the little side issue in this about people didn't understand what was going on and the temptation of a life outside of God. In Acts, they thought they'd been drinking wine. In Ephesians 5, in our reading in Ephesians 5, we see that drunkenness and debauchery are used in examples of a life that's being wasted. A life that's being wasted on taking things at the center of your light to suppress the pain, the difficulty, the suffering, the disappointment, the things right at the center of our lives to get, protect us from the pain of all that we're going through, a rejection that Emily spoke so powerfully about this morning. It's very easy then to fill our lives with things that will dull that pain. They may bring temporary relief or temporary pleasure, but in the end, they damage us far more than it looks, leading us to addiction, to excess, and to reckless living. So why? All of us are tempted to fill our lives with stuff. Stuff that gives us little highs that enable us to live. Why are we so preoccupied in doing that? It's because we don't get our basic needs, our internal needs met in our relationship with God. We were created to be in relationship with God. We need God. We need God. We need God to keep filling us with his life, filling us with his spirit that brings life to us, that saturates our being with his love and his powerful presence. I think many of us in our Christian lives
don't really live with the idea that our lives are to be saturated with God so that they overflow to other people. We think, you know what? I just need enough God to get by. But we find our lives dry. We find our lives empty. Pentecost talks about a life overflowing, being filled, filled, filled with life that just comes in and out of us. Those of you who know your scripture will know that every Christian has the Holy Spirit living within them. Yet those also know that from this reading in Ephesians 5 in verse 18, it says, be filled with the Spirit. He says to the Christians there, be filled with the Spirit. Not a little bit, be full, be filled with the Spirit. And the Greek word that's used there is in the present continuous tense. It means go on being filled with the Spirit again and again and again. The word translated, be filled, is actually a command. Because if we're to live the life that God wants us to live, we can't do it in our own strength. It's just too hard. But in his power and in his love and in his strength in a life that flows to saturates our being, that's different. God wants to give us that strength. The word be filled is also plural. It's plural because it's for all God's people. It's not just a special experience for a few, a few select elite people who have a certain type of thing or a certain type of thing. His gift is for all his people. It's also in the present tense, as I said, is that what you may have been baptized in the Spirit one time in the past, but we need to continually be drawing on the life of God's Spirit for daily living in the world. Why? Why do we need His Spirit? Because yesterday's experience doesn't actually necessarily equip us for the challenges we face today. We're called to live in the present with God, in obedience to God in the present not to live of our past experiences that, that we think somehow will help us in the present. So how do we understand? What's another way of understanding this, this idea of being full? For example, um, at home I've got a gas boiler and it has a pilot light that's on all the time. And if you like, that's like every Christian. that has the pilot light of God's presence of his spirit in each one of our lives. We always have the Spirit of God dwelling within us. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon us and we're filled with his life, that's when the heat comes on. That's when the water comes on. And the gas boiler goes... <laughs> and bursts into life. It surges with the life and energy as the light comes on and the heat comes on. And the promise for us today as Christians isn't for a pilot light... Christianity. It's for a raging boiler of a Christianity. It's a roaring fire of the Spirit. The Pentecost was dramatic, a dramatic work of God. We're called to fire on all foot cylinders, but we can only do that with God and with His power. 
In the account of the day of Pentecost, it's a powerful picture of wind and transforming lives. But also that power is not abstract, because we know that the supreme work of God, of God's Spirit, is to reveal his love for us, his extraordinary, overwhelming love for us that saturates our whole being, seeing our hearts transformed from the inside out. That's how much God loves us. Romans 5.5 describes it this way, the love of God poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given us given us to us, given to us. And every single person here, whether you call yourself a Christian or you'd say, actually, I'm nowhere near being a Christian today. And frankly, I don't want to know. But all of us, I would suggest to you, need an experience of God's love. I heard a story uh, a couple of years ago about a couple who'd been married for 50 years. It was their golden wedding, and uh, they were a slightly unusual couple who'd been married for 50 years, uh, because basically they'd spent all their time arguing the whole of their lives. They've argued and argued and argued. They've had a lifetime of arguing with each other. Day in, day out, exhausting to be alongside, exhausting to be with. Year in, year out, they continued to argue. And when it got to their 50th wedding anniversary, the whole family got together and thought, you know, what could we do to bless them? What would be a suitable present for uh, our parents or for the, the kind of whether grandparents? What could we give them as a 50th wedding anniversary gift? And they decided that the best gift they could give them was a trip to a consultant psychiatrist. <laughs> All expenses paid. Well, they gave them this gift, and the couple uh, argued on the way to the psychiatrist. They argued in the car, they argued in the waiting room as they waited for the psychiatrist. They couldn't think it's the right thing to do. They thought their children were wrong. They thought their grandchildren were wrong. They just argued amongst themselves on the way. The psychiatrist, they came into the psychiatrist room. The psychiatrist asked them to sit down in front of them. They argued about which chair they should be sitting in and the history of that. And they started arguing in front of the psychiatrist. The psychiatrist just said, stop. Stop. Look, I'm going to do something I've never done before in my entire professional career. He got up from behind his desk. He walked around the other side, and the little old lady who was late, late 70s, he, got, he took hold of the little lady into his arms. He got in front of her. He kissed her on the lips passionately for a very long time. <laughs> then the man said, then the woman, sorry, then the psychiatrist said to her, now, this is what the woman needs three times a week. <laughs> the man who has been sat watching this when on earth what was going scratched his head. And he said, okay, doctor, if that's what you, you say I need, I'll bring around Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. <laughs> and what that doctor was trying to say we can talk about love, but actually it's an experience of love that changes everything. 
that's at the heart of the deepest human need. We can look for it in all the other directions, but that's what we're created to find in God. And that's the experience that we celebrate at Pentecost, that God came to his people to show them his love that transformed some scared lives into lives that would end up changing the world. So my question very simply this morning is this, do you want to know that life for yourself? Do you need that life for yourself today? Are you happy with what you have, or do you long for help in seeing your life changed? In New Year's Day on, in America, um, the, those of you who know a little bit about America know there's various parades that they do, and there's a, fam- a famous one called the Tournament of the Roses Parade, which is a series of floats that go on this parade. And one day, one of the float exhibitions spluttered uh, to a halt and quit the, one of the kind of lorries or the trailers because it had run out of petrol. The whole parade was held up um, because someone had to go and get the hand and go and fill the petrol up at a petrol station and bring it back to get this lorry going again. The amusing fact about this lorry is that the lorry represented the Standard Oil Company with its vast oil resources, oil resources beyond which anybody could imagine. Its truck had run out of petrol. And for us as Christians today, the fullness of the giving God who brings his life to us, the vast expanses of the wealth of God is for us. It's available to us. But so often we get caught up doing things our own way and in our own strength and wonder why we grind to a halt again, stuck, run out of petrol. God God offers us afresh this morning the full life of his spirit. Will you receive it? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of your spirit poured out upon your church 2,000 years ago. Thank you that you long to continue to pour your life upon us afresh today, whether it's someone who's not sure, someone who's actually just desperate for a touch of God afresh. Holy Spirit, one of the oldest prayers of the church is come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Fill us afresh with your life to live for you, to your praise and your glory. Amen.